Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. What's going on, everybody? Happy Friday. Welcome to episode number 172 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph. And I'm I'm like at a loss of words, really, going into this episode because, yeah, we could talk about the Bruins and them, and them playing well, you know, hitting a couple speed bumps here. We could talk about the Celtics and their West Coast trip and hitting a couple of bumps here and there. But at the end of the day, I still believe the Patriots are at the forefront of of Boston news coverage right now, obviously because the season is in full swing, coming to a close in a matter of weeks. Red Sox and their disappointment of an offseason, I'd say, is a bigger story right now, at least locally for us fans of these Boston sports. So I want to dive into, of course, the Patriots and talk about their Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, because it's not Sunday night no more because they got flexed out. Their matchup against the Raiders in Las Vegas on Sunday. Of course, I want to talk about the Red Sox and just kind of circle back on a couple of those points that I talked about last weekend, of course, the week before with everything kind of collapsing right in front of our eyes. It's, oh man, it's, it's tough. It's difficult. But you know what? Thank you guys so much for joining me for today's episode. Thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying on all audio platforms such as Spotify, Apple, Google Music, or Google Podcasts, excuse me, Amazon Music, Stitcher, Radio Public, wherever you can find your podcast, you can find Murph's Boston Sports Talk. It's a great thing. It's everywhere, literally every streaming platform. But of course, if you listen to this on YouTube, thank you so much for clicking on the video. Please make sure you smash that thumbs up button. Comment down below and subscribe to the channel if you're new or have not considered subscribing just yet. Where do I even begin with this this episode? I think I kind of want to just really flush the drain and finish my thoughts about the Red Sox in this offseason. Because there's really not much that we're going to be talking about moving forward with the exception of any Raphael Dever, Devers news in terms of a potential signing, a potential trade, or maybe even smoke about a a deal being done. Who knows? But the Red Sox over the past week introduced Kenley Jansen and Yoshida Matsuzaka. What's his last name again? Mat- Mata- Masataka. There we go. And listen, good for them. Good for them. They got the deal they wanted or, you know, the best deal that they thought was available. It's a great moment for them. I'm not trying to take anything away from uh, Kenley Jansen and uh, Matasaka. Not trying to take anything away from them in their moment 
of shine, a moment of fame of being introduced into the organization. But what I am going to take away is the fact that the Red Sox are trying to make a big deal about this, and they're trying to mend the wounds of losing Xander Bogarts. Now, in a vacuum, Xander Bogarts is an exceptional hitter, but is he a top five player in the MLB? No. Is he a top 10 player in the MLB? No. Top 25? I mean, if we're going to consider pitchers, probably not. But if we're just going to look at hitters, then I would say so. So it's going to be really hard for any team to replace a top 25 player that they lose. And especially a fan base here in Boston and New England who are very critical, who are very vocal, and aren't afraid to voice their opinions, whether it's good or bad. And trust me, I, myself, people here at the shop, other fans of the Red Sox have voiced their negative opinions about losing Alexander Bogarts. And again, Red Sox aren't going to sit here and mope about it, of course. They're going to try to move on like nothing happened or at least something minor happened because of the potential backlash that they would receive and the backlash that they are receiving from me, from you know, radio stations, reporters, fans again, media coverage, anything in general. It's, I really want to believe in this ownership group who delivered us four World Series championships since they took over. 2004, breaking the curse after 86 years. 2007, 2013, of course, and 2018. But sitting here in this chair, recording this episode, it's hard for me to understand and look positively positively at the direction of this club. I love the Kenley Jansen signing. I love bringing in uh, Jolies Rodriguez and Chris Martin into the bullpen. I love the bullpen additions. You're doing a great job there. I said that last week, and I'll say it again. Not taking that away. Those are good moves. Matasaka, overpayment possibly. You lost Bogarts. You didn't re-sign Schwarber. You traded away Renfro. It's just there's so many questionable moves and I haven't even talked about the breaking news from, I think it was yesterday. And it was the Red Sox designate for assignment, also known as DFA, Jeter Downs. Now, for those that may not know, or you know, I assume that a lot of people do know, Jeter Downs was one of the three pieces that you got back from the Dodgers in the Mookie Betts trade. It was Alex Verdugo, Connor Wong, and Jeter Downs. Now listen, DFA does not mean he's officially off the team. However, he's going to be off the team. That's un- the unfortunate, unfortunate. Uh, it, let, let me just read this quick article real quick. Uh, to create space on the 40-man roster, infielder Jeter Downs was DFA'd. Um, no shock with a highly touted prospect featuring on the back end of Baseball America's Top 100 list in both 2020 and in 2021. Um... Let's see. Despite making a key piece uh, of a franchise-altering trade, it seems the club has run out of patience with him. They will now have a week to trade him or put him on waivers. Despite the rough results in the past two seasons, it seems likely that some team would take a flyer on him. He's only 24. So that's just from... um, Crap, I just closed out the thing. MLB rumors, but obviously that's just the report right there that we just got. Um... What has Heimblum? This leaves me asking myself this: What has Heimblum done so well? 
Not much. Not much at all, to be honest. Now, let me, let me adjust myself here. He took over, what was it, after the 2019 season, going into 2020. He inherited Raphael Devers, and, and you know, young Raphael Devers, Alexander Bogarts, who is, you know, mid-20s, Andrew Benintendi, young, mid-20s, Mookie Betts, mid-20s, maybe, I think it was like 27 at the time, and all four of them are going to be out the door. Betts is already gone, Benintendi's already gone, Bogarts is now gone, and would we assume that Raphael Devers is on his way out? I think it's safe to say that he probably is because the Red Sox don't want to sign players to these long, big-ass deals. That's just the nature of it. Listen, I'm not a fan of overpaying players. I'm really not. But if someone's going to be getting the money, why not arguably the best third baseman in the league? He's 26 years old. 15, 14, 13 years, $400 million or whatever in that area is probably where the conversation is going to be starting. You are not in a position of leverage to negotiate with Raphael Devers after losing out on Betts, Benintendi, and now Bogarts. Where is your current team? Let's just look at this team right now. I'd like to believe that this team is not done making moves, but let's just go off the safe presumption that this offseason's over for the Red Sox. Where do you stand? You have Trevor Story, your shortstop, Christian Arroyo, your second baseman. Tristan Cassis and Eric Hosmer at first base. Devers, of course, at third base. Reese McGuire and Connor Wong behind the plate. Verdugo, uh, Matasaka, and Kike Hernandez in the outfield. Okay. What's exciting about that? What's, what is exciting? You have Bobby Dahlbeck, who was a top prospect in your organization, and you ruined him. You oh, First of all, you had Michael Chavis, top prospect in your organization. You traded him, kind of ruined him, but you kind of then traded him. Bobby Dahlbeck, same thing. Highly touted prospect in the organization, ruined him. Then you have Jaron Duran, who you're not even giving a real shot to. And yeah, I know he's had his ups and downs and such, but again, speed, got a good glove, got a good arm. He can hit for power You know when he can you know connect with the ball. He just needs some work. But you're on track to ruin him. And Tristan Cassis, in his short, you know, stint with the Red Sox in 2022, looked really good. Obviously, he has some fine-tuning to figure out, but... So not only did you have four superstars in their prime, and three of them are gone, you have, or had, four highly touted prospects within the organization, and three of them are either gone, crap, or turning to crap. Where do I get excited over this team? Where? Starting pitching. Okay, let's take a look. You have Nick Pavetta. Okay. Um, Chris Sale, hopefully coming back. Who knows? And I know a lot of people don't like that contract, but at the time, I think it was worth it. However, hindsight's twenty twenty a little bit. And um, who knows what you're going to get out of Chris Sale, who's you know getting up there in age. Nathan Eovaldi's not back on the roster. Eduardo Rodriguez signed elsewhere, who, again, another... You know, young guy in his prime, you had him. Detroit kind of overpaid for him, but you know what? That's fine. Who else? Who else is going to be started? Brian Bayo? Okay. Um, Didn't look the greatest, but you know what? 
first half season with the team. Hopefully, he can kind of fix things out. But who else? Who else is there? You're gonna throw out 47 year old Rich Hill again? Michael Walker maybe? It's just there's no excitement on this team. So why should Devers feel any inclined to take a hometown discount or to take anything less than what he wants? There, there he he has all the leverage, all the power. And it puts the Red Sox in a tough and difficult position because now the organization is faced with, well, if we're not going to sign him for our number, what are we going to do? Are we going to let him walk at the end of 2023, like we did with Xander Bogarts, and get all that backlash again? Or are we going to trade him before the season starts and get all that backlash again that we got from the Mookie Betts and Andrew Benintendi trades? The Red Sox are in a... A lose, 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 win situation, right? They could lose by letting him walk. They could lose by um, trading him. I guess it would be lose, lose, win. Or they could win by signing him. That is the only way that the Red Sox can mend in any way, shape, or form this offseason. Is by signing Devers very soon. Because let's say... He's traded. And if the Red Sox aren't going to give him his number, there is no point in having him on this team in 2023. I hate to say it, guys. I love Devers just like the next person. I love Bogarts. I loved Benintendi. And I love Betts. Just like we all did. But what is... The, we have to ask ourselves at the end of the day, what is the point of having him on our team and just having him walk at the end of the next season and get nothing in return? There's no point. There really isn't. I'd love Devers to be here for the next 10, 10 years. I'd love Bogarts to be here for the next seven, eight years. I'd love to, I would love Betts to be here for the next 10 years. It's just, I just don't understand where we can go from here if you're the Red Sox and try to please everybody. Again, you give Devers what he wants, you'll please the fans. You'll please Devers. But if you trade him, all hell will break loose. And if you do trade him and he's not on your roster in 2023, why should you, me, or any other Red Sox fan go to Fenway Park this season? Why? No homegrown talent besides Cassis. What's the appeal? Fenway Park and going to a Red Sox game is already the most expensive stadium and team to go to. Go to. Right? It's the most expensive team to watch and the most expensive stadium to go to is Fenway Park. For a family of four with four sodas, four hot dogs, parking, and, this, and the tickets, it's like well over $400, I think it is, or $300. It's just bizarre. And that's just average pricing, of course. And I think like the Diamondbacks was like second on that list. Like what? Anyways, besides the point, why are people... When society is already in a tough economic situation with the recession that is now here, with inflation still very high, gas prices, although they're dropping, but they're still very high, other societal issues, other economic issues, why should people go see the Red Sox? Why? The majority of us have already been there once. The majority of us have been there twice or multiple times, right? So if it's your first time, fine, I get it. Cool. But there will be tons of empty seats at Fenway Park this year if Rafael Devers is not on this team with an extension. 
2023. It's just a fact. Give me, reach out to me right now, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Murph's Car Town, or leave a comment on this YouTube video why people, families, fans should go to Fenway Park and watch a Red Sox game in 2023 if Raphael Devers is either traded or does not have an extension. Why, why, why? And I said this last year, and I will say it again. Why should I invest my time and money into you and your product if you are not going to invest your time and your money into your product? It only makes sense. It only makes sense. Consistency. Here at the shop, I try to buy as much product and as many good cards as possible for people because I want to invest the shop's money and the shop's time into getting that cool box or that cool graded card or that awesome auto. So you or a consumer can do the same thing, invest their time here at the shop, have a good time, have fun, and invest their money here at the shop, buy what they want, and be happy with their purchase and their experience here at the shop. Listen, I don't see any Red Sox fan being happy next year unless Devers is signed to an extension. And even if he does get signed to an extension, how happy are we really going to be at the end of the day? We've lost three homegrown talented players for pennies on the dollar. Betts, gone, traded. Benintendi, gone, traded. Bogarts, gone, free agency, got nothing. And you find yourself in the same exact situation as you were with, Bog uh, with Bogarts last year. Do we bust our ass to try to sign him now? Should we trade him? Or should we wait? Red Sox waited with Xander Bogarts and it failed miserably. It backfired miserably. Where do they go? How do they fix this? Because right now, their track record sucks. And their trajectory for 2023 sucks. Listen, I'm one of the biggest Red Sox fans out there, just like you, just like the next guy. But I have to be realistic here. I have to look at reality. Ownership and or Bloom does not want to invest in this team. They don't. Why? Why? Listen, when uh, Dave Dombrowski was here, yeah, he traded away a ton of prospects and he traded away the whole farm system, depleting it. However, you got back great players in return and it turned out to be a World Series championship in 2018. And again, a bunch of other competitive seasons in 2016, 17, obviously winning in 18 and being, being lackluster in 2019, but, you know, neither here nor there. Red Sox move on from Dave Dombrowski and they hire Bloom to bring you under the luxury tax to sign these players long-term and to rebuild the farm system. Well, so far, the farm system is rebuilt, but signing your superstar players hasn't happened. He hasn't re-signed not one player. Not one. 
What are we doing? Dave Dombrowski takes a year off, goes to Philadelphia, doesn't deplete their system, makes a couple of moves, and they were in the World Series last year. Were they losing six games, so they were two wins away? Is it a Red Sox issue? Is it a Heim Bloom issue? Or is Dave Dombrowski just that damn good at his job? Tell me. Because whatever it is, I don't care what it is. It's just the outcome that I'm watching and the product that I'm going to have to watch on my TV and, and oh, I won't be at the game, so on TV, is not good. And no Red Sox fan should feel optimistic about the 2023 season. Because right now, I think I was joking around. I don't know if it was at the shop or if I actually mentioned it here on the podcast. I put it a, a funny over-under at 79.5 wins. That's going to be way under. How do they win 70 games? How do they win 60 games? You're playing everybody this year. So you're going to be playing the Dodgers. And I think you play everyone home and away too. If I'm not mistaken, I have to double-check the schedule. But how are you going to beat the Dodgers? How are you going to beat the Padres? How are you going to beat the Astros? How, you can't. You couldn't even beat Toronto this year. How do you expect to beat all these good teams in other divisions and in the National League? You're not going to. You're not going to be able to hit layups against... I'm trying to think some crap bag team like the Tigers, who are getting better, by the way. There's no more layups against the Orioles anymore because they're better. I'd rather be. This is a hot take, and this is going to be the last time. This is the last thing I'll talk about, and I'll move on to the the, uh, Patriots. Right now, here on December 16th, 2022, at 11.32 in the morning Eastern Time, I would rather be in the Baltimore Orioles' shoes than the Boston Red Sox shoes right now, just right now with Adley Rushman and um, Gunnar Henderson. You've got Grayson Rodriguez in the wings, Ryan Mountcastle, Cedric Mullins, good players, young players, good pieces, young pieces. Again, none of them are signed. They're still unproven. But I'd rather be them because those guys are playing right now and have that experience. They went on a crazy run last year. Finished ahead of you in the standings. Uh, let's just take a look at that standings. Um, Red Sox, why can I get standings? There we go. They finished 83-79. and 79. And you, the Red Sox, finished 78-84. and 84. Where was my over-under for the Red Sox in 2023? 79 and a half games. That was with Devers. Bogarts, Martinez, Ivaldi, and without Bogarts, Martinez, Ivaldi, as of now for on those two, and possibly with or without Devers, who knows? You already finished worse than my over/under for next year. If you want to hit that over and make money, you need the Red Sox to win 80 games. How are they going to win 80 games with the current roster that they have where they're going to be playing the Orioles, the Rays, the Blue Jays, the Yankees, who all finished above 500, all impressive seasons in their own right. Uh, The Rays, meh, but whatever. 
when you have when you're going to be going up against the Braves and the Mets, the Phillies this year who are the defending National League champions, the Cardinals who got better, the Dodgers, the Padres, the Giants who even got better. You're not cuz you have to play those teams this year. I would rather be right now the Baltimore Orioles than the Boston Red Sox. Sorry, that's just a fact. Whether you agree with me or not, let me know. I'd love to know if you agree with me. Or maybe I'm just blowing smoke and I'm making absolutely no sense. And there is a silver lining and there is a path to success for the Red Sox in 2023. But I don't see it. I really do not see it. I need some vision on this. I need clarity. And guys, I rely on you. Reach out to me via social media at Murph's Cartown, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Let me know, Murph, this is the vision to 2023 being successful. This is how the Red Sox can do it. Drop a comment down below on YouTube if that's where you're watching this episode. Murph, if they do this, this, and that, or look at this nucleus that they now have, this is how they have success. And if you can talk me into it, I'll entertain it and I'll buy it. Because right now, I am parched. I am dry, I'm chapped, and I'm hopeless for a successful Red Sox 2023. And I wasn't kidding. I am actually parched. My lips are chapped. Sorry, I'm just drinking a little water here. That rant was something else. That rant was something else. But it's all true, guys. It's all true. And I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Like, I'm not trying to be mean and a Debbie Downer and a pessimist. I'm really trying to have faith in this team. But the ownership right now and the upper management is just, it's so hard. It really is so, so hard. But that's going to be it for the Red Sox. And I do want to talk about the Patriots because the Patriots, I have to get something off my chest. And it's not a little bit of water that I may have spilled. <laughs> Patriots. I've been so... Well, that was weird. Sorry, you know, I had someone knocking on my door, so I had to see who it was, and it was a guy, you know, with Poland Springs, you know, I told him to come back because I'm busy. Shop's not even open right now. I'm recording Murph's Boston Sports Talk. You know, Friday mornings are reserved for Murph's Boston Sports Talk, so I was like, you don't have to come back. A, I'm closed. B, I'm busy. Um... And obviously, I'm not going to be interested in Poland Springs because I just have my jugs of water that I bring. Anyways, anyways, I digress. I've been very, very harsh on the Patriots this year. Very, very harsh. I think that is uh, something we can all kind of agree with, right? I feel like whether it's here on the podcast, here at the shop, wherever, I've been very critical and very harsh about the Patriots. And deservingly so. They deserve every bit of it. However... I still don't see the Patriots being successful in the playoffs, especially with Matt Patricia calling the plays and being, you know, the pseudo offensive coordinator, Joe Judge being the, the quarterback's coach. Very pessimistic about the Patriots' 2022 future, right? You know, from today moving forward. However, I've come to the conclusion in my mind that. You know, as much as I have not been rooting for the Patriots this year, I'd rather them just suck and get a high draft pick. I've come to the realization that this year they're not going to get a high draft pick, even if they lose the rest of the games, right, and they go 
uh, what would it be, 7-10. and 10. Still be in the middle of the road in terms of a draft pick. And it's going to make the Patriots look terrible. It's going to make Mac look like he's bad. And for that reason, Mac looking bad, I want the Patriots to succeed. And every week I'm going to root for them. Obviously, when I sit here, I give you my, you know, my three thoughts and such, and I'm looking at the game. Obviously, I'm going to be realistic and live in reality. I'll be optimistic, of course, but Mac Jones, whether it is locally or nationally, here at the shop, on social media, wherever, has been getting a lot of hate. And I've talked about this before tons of times, um, whether it's on the podcast or at the shop. And I think I talked about a couple weeks ago that Mac Jones' rookie season was incredible. Was a great, great rookie quarterback season, with all things considered. Yeah, the playoffs wasn't good, but you know what? That's a, that's fine. You had a great offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels. Your offensive line was really, really good. And you had a crap bag of receivers, weapons, right? Let's just quote-unquote weapons. Crap bag of weapons. Now you take away Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator. You take away that really, really, really good offensive line. And you still give them the same crap bag of weapons. Any quarterback, unless they're in the top 10% in the league, unless it's like a Mahomes or a Josh Allen, Tom Brady, uh, I'm trying to think of quarterbacks that could still perform at a high level with what's behind, you know, what's around them. I mean, I don't even think like Jalen Hurts would do well here, given what he has. I mean, maybe, maybe not. But anyways, obviously there's going to be a significant amount of regression. Mac Jones is getting hit a lot. He's under pressure a lot. He got injured. The receivers are dropping balls. The line isn't blocking. The offensive play call is not good. You can see the frustration on Mac Jones with Matt Patricia. It's just, it's almost sad, to be honest, for Mac Jones. And this is a guy who got drafted by the Patriots in the first round last year, 15th overall. And people were excited They were so exhilarated and looking forward to Mac Jones. And Mac Jones, and everybody wanted Mac Jones over Cam Newton, right? Let's not forget that. Everybody was chanting, Mac, 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 when Cam Newton was in. And when Mac Jones got in in that first preseason game, the crowd went nuts. They went bananas. And then when Mac Jones was announced the starting quarterback for the Patriots in 2021, we were cheering. We were going crazy. We were through the roof. And we were rooting for Mac Jones every step of the way last year. The, the new quarterback post-Tom Brady, the long-term quarterback post-Tom Brady was here. And he looks good. And he's playing well. Over 3,000 yards. Touchdown-interception ratio could be a little bit better. But you know what? For a rookie, it looked really good. Made the pro ball, albeit a replacement. But still, they could have picked anybody. But they picked him. And he even led you to a playoff appearance. Albeit, got blown out. Wasn't the greatest. But still, rookie quarterback led you to the playoffs. He got that experience in Buffalo in a hostile environment. I think 2021 was a win across the books. Check, 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 check. Across everything. Now, here in 2022, he sucks. He's. We want him gone. We want Bailey Zappi. Trade him. 
you know, just get rid of him. Why? Bench him even. Why? Why? It is the same guy who was the most NFL-ready quarterback out of the group of five last year in last year's draft, who had the highest four out of them, who performed the best by a mile out of them, who you could probably still argue is probably the best performing quarterback. I know, probably Justin Fields. I just don't get it. You take away arguably the best offensive coordinator in football, right? Josh McDaniels, by far up there. You know, say what you want about his head coaching career, but as an offensive coordinator, he's pretty damn good. You take away Shaq Mason, you take away uh, Ted Karras, and Isaiah Wynn just keeps getting worse every year. Um, Trent Brown sucks this year. I, I, I just, and then you give him the same crap bag of receivers. You do. I mean, yeah, the receivers shouldn't make the quarterback, but the receivers definitely help the quarterback, right? I mean, picture a world where Patrick Mahomes never had Tyreek Hill or, okay, 2022. All right, we'll take away Travis Kelsey then. And, you know, I think, you know, Mahomes takes a step back if you take Kelsey and, and Tyreek Hill off of those teams in his early career. You know, those early years when they were making it to the AFC title game and they lost against the Patriots, but they won the Super Bowl the following year. You take away both of those guys off of that team from him, and I don't think they look nearly as good. I mean, I like what I see from Patrick Mahomes now without Tyreek Hill, what he's doing with the other receivers, but he still has Travis Kelsey. You take away, you know, you take away Gronk and Edelman and Amendola, who was good, but then he sucked and he got good, but you take all those guys away from Tom Brady who, by the way, never really had a true number one receiver outside of Randy Moss. And don't say don't say Wes Walker because he wasn't that good before he got to New England. Randy Moss was older, albeit Hall of Famer, legend, superstar, number one by a mile, but still, only really true number one that he's had up until he got to Tampa Bay with Mike Evans. Gronkowski was an unworldly tight end, don't get me wrong. Exceptional GOAT tight end. In and out of the lineup again, tight end. Uh, I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to think. I mean, Josh Allen was taking sh- steps and strides to being better before Stephon Diggs got to Buffalo. But I really do believe with Diggs in Buffalo, that really significantly helped Josh Allen just take off, right? Just absolutely take off. I think AJ Brown's helping Jalen Hurts a, a, a zillion, right? Um, Justin Jefferson's obviously helping Kirk Cousins look as good as he is. Dak Prescott with C.D. Lamb. And, you know, obviously you want to point to Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper when he was there. So it's a team effort on offense. It's not just one player. You take away Jalen Hurt. Uh, you take away from Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, um, Dallas Goddard, who's been out for a lot this year. But let's take him away. He's not in the MVP running at all. He's not. So, when you don't give Mac Jones, Nelson Aguilar, and Kendrick Bourne, he, like, I'm not saying go out and get a number one receiver, because it's not, they don't grow on trees. But maybe that 21st pick in the draft, maybe you do take a receiver. Christian Watson's looking pretty good. Sky Moore has a lot of potential. Maybe you could have traded up and got. Uh, probably not London, but maybe he could have snuck in, you know, moved up a bunch and gotten like a, 
a Wilson or an Olave, Jamison Williams, maybe. I don't know. But, like, it is underwhelming. And it is wildly bizarre. The complete flip-flop in Patriots Nation. Guys, us, Patriot fans, have turned our back on Mac Jones so fast. I just need you guys to realize it is not his fault. Or not entirely his fault, right? Obviously, again, team sport, team game. You know, one loses, we all lose, right? So obviously some credit has to be thrown, uh, some blame has to be thrown at Mac Jones. He is the one throwing the ball at the end of the day. But come on, like, can we just point to Matt Patricia and the rest of the offensive coaching staff that is around Mac Jones or the lack of weapons that Mac Jones has, the lack of offensive protection that he has before we put the blame on Mac Jones? Like, if you want to give Mac Jones 10%, fine. You give 50% of it to Patricia. You give uh, 25% of it to the offensive play, uh, the offensive line, the other 15% to the protection, and then 10% to Mac Jones, or however you want to divvy it up. But Mac Jones does not deserve more than 10% of the blame. Just a fact. I'm sorry. But really quickly, because I got like 10 minutes before I have to open the shop. Patriots and Raiders, the official rematch i know there was in the in the preseason but the official regular season rematch or matchup between head coach bill belichick and head coach josh mcdaniels master and apprentice whatever all the good stuff right this game was flexed out of um sunday night football deservingly so three things i'm looking for in this game obviously obviously is the running game will damien harris be active will ramondre stevenson be active if not, both of them aren't. Pierre Strong looked pretty good. Kevin Harris looked pretty good. So are we going to see a strong dose, a healthy dose of these young guys? Maybe Damian Harris is like 85%, you know, good to go. He'll probably play some, but I think those younger running backs are going to get really an inflection of playing time, you know, on Sunday night. I really do, especially if Ramondre Stevenson's out. Even if he's able to play, let's say, are you really going to want to run him into the ground? I I wouldn't. So number one is definitely the running game and how it is going to look. Number two, can the defense step up and play, right? You were able to slow down the Cardinals. Oh, wait, Cardinals didn't have Kyler Murray all but three snaps. So Derek Carr, underperforming season, but still very good. You have Devontae Adams on the other side. You got Zach Ertz, Marquise Brown. So, I mean, I'm so, wow, I am naming Cardinals receivers. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, I'm looking at the Cardinals, and I'm like, oh, yeah, the, the Raiders have Marquise Brown, Zach. No, 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 sorry. The Raiders, Devontae Adams, uh, Hunter Renfro's been injured, Darren Waller's been injured. So there's a lot of players on the Raiders' side that is stepping up, like Matt Collins and um, Foster Marneau, getting some big, you know, a lot of playing time and making some big plays. So are you going to be able to neutralize those guys and the success that they're having all while trying to slow down Devontae Adams, who is the best wide receiver in the game when he's right? And for the past month or so, he's definitely looked like the best wide receiver. So the inter the defensive scheme and the defensive um, play calling is going to be very interesting because you've got to slow down number the number one receiver in the league. And then you got to also try to find ways to slow down these other guys who are playing well all while slowing down Derek Carr, who's pretty good quarterback, I think, in a vacuum. 
But I didn't even talk about Josh Jacobs, who is the number one running back, at least fantasy-wise. So how is that all going to work out? So the defense has a lot on their plate for sure. Even with Darren Waller being out, Hunter Renfro being out, it's going to be a very interesting afternoon or evening for the Patriots defense. And number three, I feel like this is a no-brainer, but the offensive play call. I don't care how Mac, I don't care what Mac Jones looks like. I don't care what the receivers look like or the running backs look like. How does the offensive play call look? Are they calling good plays? Are they executing good plays and such? Are they able to just go out, put points on the board, and not have to rely on their defense so much? I'd love to see that. And, you know, obviously sitting here next week, am I going to be talking about Matt Patricia and offensive play calling? Or is he going to actually have a good day calling plays and make Mac Jones and the offense look good? It is going to be a wild, wild Sunday for a bunch of different reasons. But again, those are my three things that I'm looking forward to in this game. How the running game is going to look with that running back room very depleted. How is the defensive play calling going to look with Adams, Jacobs, Carr, Matt Collins, Foster Marneau, and, and the Raiders having uh, two superstars, a middle-of-the-way quarterback, and then some lower-tier but playing well weapons, right? Marno and Matt Collins. And then number three, of course, that I just talked about is the offensive play calling. I just want to see how it looks. I just want it to look good. That's all I'm looking for is offensive play calling to look good. Shouldn't be that hard, right? But that is going to wrap it up for today's episode. It was actually, you know, right on point, you know, in terms of where I was looking. I was looking for this episode to be around that 40 or so minute mark. And I feel like I hit the nail on the head there. But guys, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, thank you so much for listening to this episode, episode number 172 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I really appreciate you downloading, listening, and enjoying on Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, wherever you listen to your podcast. You can find Murph's Boston Sports Talk. So thank you. Thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying. But if you're listening to this on YouTube, thank you so much for clicking on the video. Please make sure you smash the thumbs up button if you enjoyed today's episode. Comment down below as I can't wait to read and reply to any and all comments. And of course, please consider hitting that giant red subscribe button as I would greatly appreciate the love and support. Guys, you can reach out to me at Murph's Card Town on Twitter, Instagram, and of course, Facebook. But that is going to do it for this episode. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy your week. First round of fantasy playoffs this week. Good luck if you're in. And if you're in the consolation bracket, you guys suck. <laughs> but enjoy this week. I will catch you for episode number 173 next Friday on Christmas Eve Eve. See what I did there? I'm just trying to have fun, guys. You guys know that I love you, and I will always, always see you. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.